0: traveling back to Scranton Wilkes-Barre area, and today we have Peter Maria. Um, would you like to little, uh, give a little intro about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, like you said, uh, I'm Peter Maria. I'm from uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre area um, in a band called Warren. play bass in that and uh, probably might know me from just doing art for various bands here and there. That's pretty much all I got on there.
0: All right, um, let's start with uh, your band, Warren. So I, I did some research. I was uh, on the band camp page, and did the band form in twenty sixteen?
1: Um, I believe so. The original lineup, I was not in, um, but uh, yeah, they came out with uh, the demo. I think like winter twenty sixteen, and kind of uh, started playing like a few like little off shows here and there. And then uh kind of just from there. So
0: the demo, the, the, uh uh well, the, the demo is not on the band camp, but the EP is the cage. EP. Yeah. And you did the artwork for that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was before I was in the bands and I, I'm, you know, I'm just friends with all those guys and they all hit me up to do that. Cause I did the demo too. So they asked me to do that. And that was, that was tight.
0: OK, um, so after you did the artwork for the demo, um, I I noticed that they have you listed as a member for um, the song uh, Death Grins Back At Me. So how'd you go from just knowing them and doing the artwork for the EP to j- actually joining the band?
1: Um, well, <clears throat> before I ended up joining the band, I've been friends with singer Dan Schultz for I don't even know how long, probably as long as I've been going to shows. But uh I hit him up because I just kind of started playing guitar around the time I was finishing college, and I uh, thought the songs on Cage were you know something I could do. So I just hit him up, and they only had were only a four piece at the time anyway. So I asked if they needed a second guitar, and it kind of went from there. Um, the Death Burns back at me. That's off the first self-titled EP that we have. So that's that's when I that was just from that. So that's when I joined and uh, that was like the first thing I got to ever record on so that was that was cool
0: and eventually um, you moved from second guitar to to bass um, what happened to the original bass player
1: um, that was our bass player Kahir. he's um he actually when I moved to to bass he uh, he works on some kind of I think farming uh commune maybe, I'm not sure. But it's uh it's out it's out um I guess in the country of PA. But uh for when I moved to base he actually uh got the opportunity to go to Iceland and work on a horse and sheep farm out in Iceland for about two months in the beginning of the summer, going to the middle of the summer. So we had a bunch of shows lined up already, so I kind of just moved to base and had most of the equipment already, because just wasn't going to bring it with him to Iceland, you know, so he was nice enough to let me borrow all that stuff. And uh, he's kind of just doing his own interests right now, which is sick, like I think he's out in Colorado right now, maybe, uh, rock climbing, so um, he's always, you know, going to be a member of the band, like we all love him. He's just doing his own thing right now, so I'm currently still doing bass which is fun both it's fun being in the band no matter what you know
0: for sure so there could be like a situation in the future where he actually um, plays with you guys and you just move back to second guitar
1: yeah absolutely we'd all we'd all be down with that for sure
0: all right that's awesome that's kind of crazy to think of like an opportunity to go to Iceland to um, work on a
1: farm yeah, absolutely. He was sending us photos of it with him and his dog, and you just look in the background; it's straight up like, like Skyrim, like Norse, like Viking territory. Like, it didn't look real. Like, as wild to just to see photos from it.
0: Yeah, I, I can't even imagine being out there because I would just like think about like Game of Thrones.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. All that you know, it's it's straight up like fantasy territory. Like it's it's so cool. I would love to go there just to like get references you know just for uh just to look at stuff when making other artwork you know
0: and um so you did the artwork for the ep um excuse me not the ep um well the 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 cage dp not the the worn ep um and you you did the uh, artwork for the the new um, ep coming out correct
1: Yeah, yeah, we had uh we had Dennis Halavik I or I think I pronounced his name last night, but uh last name right, but uh this this guy sings for freedom. He's he's a real talented artist. We had him do that too, or for the just the self titled. We had him do the artwork for that. That's the only thing that I haven't done for Warren.
0: And uh, do you plan on doing the actual cover for the seven inch, or is the one that you released for Suspect? Go ahead, sorry.
1: Nah, sorry. It's uh it's actually all done already. The the main cover artwork I I put that all together as uh definitely thought about longer than anything else I've done, you know, going back and forth with everybody in the band and I think we're all pretty stoked on it. So that's gonna be fun for everybody to see it, you know.
0: Okay. So it's not gonna be that grim reaper dude with the scythe?
1: Yeah, that's just like promo art. We, uh, I made that like originally as like the sticker design that we made. We made a ton of stickers. I just, just like, why don't we just do that for the promo art anyway? So that's cool.
0: That's sick. Is the actual cover gonna be in like the same like art style?
1: Um, it's definitely a lot more detailed. It's uh something that I drew personally. Like it's uh instead of, like the uh the promo is actually inspired by, I think, a homicide division patch from. Somewhere, I think some homicide division in uh, Philadelphia. Like they have those patches that are real sick. Like just lots of grim reaper imagery, lots of dark kind of stuff to go along with it. I don't know why they thought about having that as their aesthetic, but I don't know. It was just, uh, that was the reference for the the promo art, though. But uh, the new stuff is like straight out of my brain. So that's I I, I'm, I like that a lot more than the the promo, to be honest.
0: Okay, last thing about the band, um, you guys you've been actively putting out releases, uh, since 2016 and you guys have this single that came out at like, you know, we're at the end of 2018. Do you guys have a release date for the new record?
1: Um, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm allowed to talk about details with the record exactly yet, but we, uh, I think we're definitely going to be getting news out to everybody soon about the physical release of like the seven inch and everything. Um, It might be out in this early spring, maybe late winter. I think though, if, if you know, everything goes well, like if everything gets approved, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah.
0: All right. Well, hopefully you guys can announce that soon and we'll actually look forward to that in the new year. (laughs) So now,
1: yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear it.
0: Uh, for sure, do you know how many songs are gonna be on it?
1: Um, it was originally gonna be five, and uh I think we're just working it all out with uh, the runtime that sort of thing. so I think we're we might be ending up saving one song for some point in the future. would' love to put it on like a comp or something like that with with a bunch of other cool bands. I think that's the best would be the best use for it, you know, yeah, but uh. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be just four then on a seven inch, which is, which is tight, you know?
0: Yeah. Nice um, four song EP.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, that's, that's probably one of my favorite styles of EP, you know, just four very concentrated, well written songs, you know, just four real good ones in a row instead of way too many and a couple are duds or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, like I listen to like um, hip hop and rap or whatever, and this guy put out a new record. His name's A Boogie, put out a record, uh, officially came out today, and it was like, 20 tracks and i was like listening to it and i was like damn like it's gonna be it's gonna be a while until i like am like familiar with all the songs and you know some of them are just filler in my opinion and not i'm not a huge fan of that so the fact that like you know you guys are putting out like a awesome like four song ep where they're all bangers like i think i'd prefer that over like a 20 track um album with like a million fillers you know
1: yeah absolutely and uh yeah i think that just works better for for punk and hardcore anyway you know because uh i i I couldn't tell you like i'll find like a, a D beat record that's like 13 14 songs and i'm like i don't know if i can if i can do this make it to the end of that you know
0: yeah or you'll just have to skip to the tracks that you like favor over the others yeah for sure So I want to talk to you about your art. Um, That's like the main reason why I wanted to have you on because I had uh, Nate prosciutti on and he actually suggested that I have you on the podcast because he was, um, you know, talking about how awesome your art is and how cool it would be to have you on to talk about that. Um, So how'd you get into art?
1: Um, Just, Having, you know, sketchbooks as a kid, your parents kind of, my parents kind of grabbed me, you know, art supplies, letting, letting the, the children, you know, color everybody, both of my brothers would, we would all do that sort of thing too on, uh, something to do on, on road trips, I guess, to kind of stop us from yelling at each other, <laughs> yelling at them and complaining sort of stuff. So that was, uh, you know, we have all the old sketchbooks in my house still of just all these horrible drawings of like trying to redraw pokemon and digimon and stuff like that but uh yeah that just kind of is how you know the interest in drawing started you know and uh kind of went out through high school i was like kind of one of the only people in high school that knew what they wanted to do when they were older um and kind of just pursued that uh went to college for graphic design because uh i guess that's you know a more lucrative field than just illustration, unless you're super talented and, you know, go for that. But, uh, yeah, doing both, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to do, you're not restricted to just doing one, you know? So it's, uh, doing both is, is great. And combining the two, obviously, you know, they both go hand in hand.
0: Dang. So you said in high school, you knew that you wanted to be a graphic designer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually, uh, did like an independent study thing in, in high school, which was pretty much just me alone in a, like a graphic design room with like maybe another class going on in the back, just kind of working on whatever projects the guy thought would be good for me to do.
0: Now, were you working on like uh, like special programs like Photoshop in high school?
1: Yeah, we. I think I had like like cs4 photoshop which is like old archaic version you know compared to what everybody has today and uh it was just kind of like projects like uh like i did the cover of the yearbook for the year that i graduated in 2012 and honestly i honestly not that great of a cover design but i think the the concept was there and i think that was cool but yeah (laughs) Dang.
0: That's pretty awesome. Uh, That's something that you can like look back on like, hey, my um, uh, passion, I I got to be able to do this independent study and manage to make the cover um, of my yearbook for my graduating year. I I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I thought that was sick. It was, um, well, I I went to a high school called Lackawanna Trail and uh, we had this big, like the mascot was like a lion and our school colors were like, I think red, white and uh black so I just had a cover of like a bunch of like it was kind of split into a, a triangle of uh three groups of lions all fighting each other and they were all colored like one was like red and white and black so they were all kind of going at each other which was basically just me kind of finding photos on google and, and kind of just redrawing it on photoshop and kind of slapping it all together but uh the drawings are kind of kind of janky I, I don't know I, if I could redo it that would, that would be cool
0: yeah well that was like early on in your career so i, I think um it's okay that they're not like the best drawn lions, you know
1: yeah 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 i got you uh,
0: i remember in high school um I had this buddy and um, I don't remember like what he did, but he hit me up. He was like, Hey, I know you're really into computers. Like, do you want to join like the most advanced computer class in school? Cause I'm like really good friends with the teacher. So I was like, I'm down. Like I want to check it out. So I went and met um, w- with the teacher. I want to say her name was miss till. And I had to like, have like a sit down interview with her about like why I wanted to be in the class. And, I had to wait to like get accepted. It was like this weird process. um, I thought for a high school class. So eventually, I got in to like you know supposed to be the most advanced computer class, and it like turned out to be just everybody just sitting around um, on computers. And and, like every quarter, we just have to do a presentation to the class and like give a a tutorial on like whatever we were in there for. So I was under the guise of like being in there is like this like Photoshop guy, and like honestly like ninety percent of the time like all of us were just in there sitting on like MySpace like we'd have to use like um, proxy sites to get to um, the actual MySpace website and and um, I wasn't that good at Photoshop I'm still not that good at Photoshop so like. I, every quarter like i would just go and like google um uh, somebody's tutorial that they had uploaded and then i would just like recreate it and teach the (laughs) class how to like make a sphere in photoshop it was like the dumbest thing but it it was actually pretty funny because like literally like that period was just um just to be on my space it was ridiculous
1: yeah i definitely remember being you know in study hall, everybody's on MySpace doing all that stuff like little buddy lists and AIM and stuff like that. But that's tight, though, yeah. YouTube, I don't know. Half the those tutorials are like, I don't think they know what they're talking about. Half of them are way too complicated. But that's cool that you could just use that.
0: <clears throat> so when was the first time um, you actually uh, did like artwork for a band?
1: Um, I think... It might have been a local band in my area. Uh, this band called Single Me Out. It's very like, uh, like locking out kind of style bands, I guess. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's that's kind of a broad term, I guess today. But uh, kind of just like righteous jammed Boston sort of stuff. Okay. But um, and that was like when I kind of first started going to shows too. And I hit them up with just like, that was when uh. I thought I could just make a drawing and just kind of pitch it and be like, you guys should use this for a shirt. And uh, it was like the most generic design that a hardcore shirt can be. It was like like a a tag art, like agnostic front-looking skinhead guy, like swinging from a chain on, is hanging from the letters, and the letters were like made out of brick and stuff, and he just had a shirt that, it wasn't Warzone's logo, it just said Warzone on it and that was it that was the whole design it was black ink on a white shirt and i think they sold out of them which is which is cool but uh i don't think i have the shirt i got anymore so
0: they just like accepted the idea like you didn't really have to like go at it like super hard
1: yeah i think they were just stoked that somebody like you know was inspired enough to do artwork like for a band that they were doing without even being asked you know
0: Mm -hmm so um from that point where uh, do you think you feel like um like it caught on where, where people were like i'm um, seeking you out
1: when do i feel like people caught on yeah um i think maybe like around 2014 <clears throat> maybe late 2013 like i think i had just random people kind of hit me up to do stuff um here and there and uh I can't really remember exactly, but um, I think one of the earlier ones was uh, my friend Tyler Brown. He's from he's from Florida. He was doing a a record label called Total Core Records, and I think uh, he was having me do like all the flyers that he was booking for shows down there too. And that was that was a really cool opportunity because they were all much bigger bands, you know. But um, a lot of people from like Philadelphia would hit me up for for designs too. I think like one of the first big ones I did was for a band called agitator. And, um, and that was on like, that went on to be on like, like an all in merch web store or something like that. And that was like such a big deal to me that it was like online and like a, an internationally known band. So I think from there, um, it just kind of, war just kind of goes around. So it's cool.
0: Damn. That's awesome. I actually, uh, like that band agitator straight edge.
1: Yeah, that's why I was on, <laughs> like, very straight-edge band, you know?
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how did you I'd come to do uh, artwork for Fiddlehead?
1: Um, that was the guitarist Alex Henry. He uh, just shot me an email, and he told me, I think, just to go for it. Or it might have set a couple influences, I think. Um, just a general vibe. And I just kind of went from there. Um, I think I'm the only one who sees it, but I kind of had a like a, a Kirby's like Nightmare in Dreamland kind of vibe. That's at least what what I call it in my head is like the name of that piece because it's, it's kind of a guy taking a nap by by a graveyard, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that fit Fiddleheads vibe pretty well. And uh, I know all the lyrical like the lyrical content of the the new 12 inch. I think kind of fits with that too so I think like um, some weird coincidence like I, I made that design and then it kind of coincides with like the record that wasn't even out yet so that was that was kind of cool yeah
0: it just happens to just fit perfectly with the record
1: yeah and that was like a, a way I don't want to say soft but like not what I was doing at the time really I was really um, trying to get good at doing like fantasy kind of like more twisted like dark kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. having that, like you know, having Alex hit me up to do a design for Fiddlehead, who is not really any of those things, was a uh, I don't know. That was just really refreshing, I guess, to do more. Uh, I'm short for words, but whimsical, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, more cartoonish kind of stuff, which is which is always fun to do.
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought it was cool, uh, especially I um. I'm a huge fan of Fiddlehead, so the fact that I saw you um do artwork for them, I I thought that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. I uh I would love to do more stuff for them too. I don't know. Apparently it was like a, a big seller, I guess, too, which is always always awesome.
0: Yeah, should have um them coming back for more to get more right. awesome uh, artwork from you. Yeah. And do you have uh, any like plans in the future? Because uh, notice on your Instagram, it's like, you, you don't want people DMing you about artwork. So it's like the preferred uh, method like through email.
1: I would, I would love it if everyone emailed me, cause it's just, it's just hard to organize DMs, you know, cause it's, it's mixed in with everyone else, you know, talking to everybody else, especially with like stories where you can just start DMing people off of literally anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it gets mixed in with all that. And I've had people that hit me up like weeks or even months later, like, hi, did you get this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. Like (laughs) it's just all mixed in with everything. So like an actual email is, is, is wonderful. It's pretty much what Gmail set up to do is to organize. Everyone (laughs) who wants to get in touch with you. So I don't know. And it's easier to send images, you know, back and forth, like sketches and stuff instead of Instagram DM which kind of sucks all the quality out of an image anyway and yeah. I mean the final the final interaction between someone sending me money for a design and me sending them the files is through email anyway so like why not start with that you know
0: yeah just kind of keep it all in one place make it easier to you know have like the whole conversation in one little uh, thread instead of jumping back and forth between email and Instagram
1: yeah, like I can't send a Photoshop file through <laughs> Instagram DM, so I don't know. Yeah,
0: that definitely makes a lot of sense too. And um, and obviously people can get lost in the shuffle in your DMs, so the move yeah. should be email cuz I could hit you with like a subject line and, you know, not get looked over.
1: Yeah, I've had people that kind of hit me up and like it's kind of like a weird like half-baked attempt to hit me up to do our work it's like i feel people who email are actually serious about it you know like someone will be like it's it's weird when you get those uh not even like a hello or anything it's just like how much for design and i'm like (laughs) i tell them and then i get nothing back at all and it's just it's like okay They're uh,
0: they're just out there trying to shop around
1: yeah, and that's kind of weird to me because I don't really have designs like on deck that I can just put out like band name here yeah. and do that. I kind of make everything pretty personal for everyone that hits me up, so that's even weirder that the people shop around, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, people who uh, like seek you out should, you know, want to pay you um, the right amount for your work. You know, instead of trying to uh, see who has the the better price for what they want. You know. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel that um, sometimes I when I'm doing the podcast because I have to do everything. Uh, so like when I'm like trying to get somebody to come on. Um, before I try to contact them, I try to figure out like what the best route would be. And sometimes like I have no other choice but to DM people. And I hate that so much because like it's like, honestly, I think like half the time uh, my DMs get overlooked. So then I have to kind of go around that and like talk to people who I know, know the person that I'm trying to um, get on the podcast and kind of like nudge them for me and mm-hmm. uh, and like i don't like doing that but uh, sometimes like like i have to just to get like the person's attention
1: yeah and i think instagram's just not really set up in a good way either like it's got that uh <clears throat> that little request folder and i swear to god that thing would like disappear too like if you didn't click on it the first time and say yeah like it's just gone i was like i don't even know how to find something like after that but i think it's better now but I don't know. It should really just be mixed in with everything else and just say and just have it instead of that little tiny box. That's like, here's all the requested stuff. You know, it's weird how it's set up. Yeah, I actually
0: I, uh, got one the other day and it, it, it popped up when um, somebody that followed me DM me. So, like, I, I, I noticed it and, and I clicked on it and I noticed that the message um, it had been sent to me like, you know, like six hours uh, prior to me actually getting the notification that it was actually there. And um and it was like a kind of like a time sensitive thing. So I was like, damn it. Like, this sucks because the person that's like trying to DM me probably thinks that like I'm like the worst uh, communicator ever because I haven't responded yet. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't know. They have to try to fix their whole like dm situation because yeah uh kind of like how twitter has it because twitter like you know you you can have like your uh dms like opened or or closed depending on like who's um following you or not and i i kind of like that situation better because it's it's easier to see when you actually get dms
1: i didn't even know about that i'm i'm so i I don't use twitter as much as everything else but yeah that's definitely a better you know idea (laughs) they should probably just take a few hints from them and use it for that
0: yeah but they're always well they're like the competition so i don't know how similar they want to (laughs) be
1: was twitter the only one who's not owned by facebook yet because i know i know facebook owns instagram Uh i don't know
0: yeah, I, I think Twitter is just, um, still just Twitter. I think they're just, um, That's they're, not, cool. <laughs> they're not actually owned by like a big corporation, quote unquote. But I'm sure like there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Oh yeah. <clears throat> which, which I think is crazy. Um, like when I first signed up for Twitter, I, I never imagined it being like what it is today. Um, but I kind of like it cause I, I literally get all my news, um, from Twitter, like a- anything that pops off or anything that I'm like really interested in. Like I find out about it first on Twitter and then I go and like, you know, do my research.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's a weird way how, how everybody finds out about stuff. Like the whole, uh, the whole debacle with like the, like the romaine lettuce. I didn't even, uh. I didn't even know what that was about. I just saw like like five different memes in a row about about lettuce, and I was like, "What's what's going on with the lettuce?" And then yeah, so that you know, I love how nobody really takes anything that serious, and then you actually have to go out of your way to find like the real story about what it's about.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's like way too many like internet trolls, so yeah. um, you kind of have to have to like like wave your way uh, through all that and find like the real information.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's just a weird vibe like Twitter is mostly jokes and and that's it. I think that's when it's at its best. <laughs> but uh yeah
0: honestly like uh, there's times where I'm, like I'm like kind of like thumbing through Twitter and like um, you know somebody will retweet like just like the most like ridiculous thing they'll just like have me laughing and like there's just like certain times where it's like man like like most of the, time the internet's like uh, crazy and like full of uh, hate and stuff but there's like these like golden moments where like I'll just read like the funniest tweet and I'll just have to like stop and be like alright this is why I love the internet because like this stuff makes me laugh like so hard and and, like this is the kind of like um content that i I appreciate and that i would never see if the
1: internet didn't exist yeah straight up like that's why it's like addicting for me it's kind of just always looking for stuff like that
0: so uh, do you follow like like meme accounts or how do you get that content
1: I think uh, the only one I follow is on Instagram. It's uh, it's one called Marge Spliffson, and that one's always like stuff I've never seen before. And that one, that's a good one. I, I definitely recommend that one.
0: Okay, I'm I definitely have to look it up because <laughs> I've never even heard of that one before, and it just yeah, sounds it just know. sounds ridiculous.
1: <laughs> the drummer of uh, drummer of Warren ha- follows like so many. Like I don't know. You just think about different people's like interest spectrums or whatever like on the internet and I think is is just mostly meme accounts and like compared to like compared to me which is like a lot of different artists and and other stuff like that it's just I don't know he's always sending me shit it's it's so wild <laughs>
0: yeah and it's crazy how like there's like a like a meme culture because like a lot of the stuff that i see i i just I kind of just like am like mind blown because i am like wow like i would have never even thought um of that like particular like meme and like combining like uh, other memes it's just like a whole different thing it's just crazy to me
1: The combinations, I think, is a, I feel it's a, I feel it's a new thing like this year, just combining everything and it's just endless, like all the crossovers and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. It's wild.
0: Yeah. And I don't even, and it's crazy how like, um, like certain, like certain ones will catch on and just like will be on fire. And like, you know, something else in like pop culture will happen and th- they'll just take it over. And I like th- I fear at some point, like it's going to have to like burn out and things won't be as funny. But it, it's just like doesn't stop.
1: Yeah, it's just like I don't even think about it when I just stop seeing a joke, you know, like uh, I guess like a, and there's some that are like I feel like I'm just getting old and I don't get it at first. And it's just it's weird, like uh, the whole thing with like moths being into lamps and stuff. I was like, I really don't like, I understand, but it's just not that funny. Like, and it just kind of vanished. Like, I don't know where it's gone. Like I haven't seen one in like two months and I'm like, it's weird how that works. And I don't know. There's a lot of those recently that that I just, I just don't find it that funny at all. And it's, I don't know. There's some that are crazy though that are, you know, right there.
0: Yeah. The the moth ones, like I started seeing it like all over like Twitter and people like talking about it and I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat I, I didn't really enjoy those ones too much um, but that one did like come and go pretty fast surprisingly yeah and um, how old are you by the way
1: I'm 24 yeah
0: okay 24 because um, you said uh, you feel old that makes me feel old
1: <laughs> well how old are you
0: I uh, recently just turned 30 so been oh, around wow. yeah been around for a minute um, but still trying to make things happen
1: that's tight yeah I think I remember uh, listening to uh, the one you did with my friend Ryan and uh, you were talking about going to the Sound of Furies like from a while ago okay. and I was like oh that's cool that was <laughs> that was like uh, I think um I don't know if you're, yeah, like either 2007 or 2008, but that was like uh, those, even from like 2011 and 2012, that's when I was like first getting into everything. And I was like, wow, that's something like I could never even think of going to like at that age because it was all the way out in California and like all these huge bands and stuff like that. So yeah, if you're at those ones, like that's, that's wild. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and like when those were going on, like we just thought it was like a cool fest, you know? Like we didn't like... Um, like realize like how like impactful like a lot of those bands were gonna be like to the scene because at the time it was just like these are like awesome bands and like i always just try to like live in the moment um and and enjoy like you know what's going on currently because I never really know how long like a band's gonna be around. You know, being around in hardcore for so long, you see so many of your favorite bands like come and go. So I've always just tried to like appreciate like what they're doing like at that moment because you know the like show that I'm at could be my last time seeing them ever. So. Um, like going to those fests back in the day it was always just fun I, I never thought that i would look back and be like holy crap like those lineups were just insane you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> but that like like earlier um when i was like younger and hardcore i got, i would always dream of traveling but like i just didn't have the means to when i was younger because i like when i first started going to shows like i didn't have a job i was like saving up like lunch money uh just to be able to get tickets or like i would just have to just like outright like ask my mom to like give me money to go to these like shows that she never even heard of or just didn't understand like why like i was just so desperate to go
1: yeah it's i had a similar thing with that too like um like no one in high school that I went to high school with, uh, wanted to go to any of the shows that I was trying to go to. And I was kind of pretty, a lot, a lot more introverted than I am now. Still pretty introverted, but, um, yeah, it was kind of hard for me to get out there and, uh, you know, phones didn't have navigation or anything like that either. And I was just learning how to drive and that was, that couldn't be a more stressful situation at that age (laughs) trying to figure out to, uh, start going to shows that i've never been to before a real a real big combo but um you know had to use the parents gps like this old dinosaur gps thing in a in a car to figure out how to get there and everything and not knowing anybody i don't know but yeah it all worked out kind of just forced myself to go to one on my own and it was it was sick it was it was cold world in wilkes-barre so i was like yeah couldn't have picked a, a better one to uh go to on your own the first time you know
0: that's awesome excuse me how'd you uh get into hardcore
1: um definitely i I had a bunch of friends in high school that were uh into i guess like warp tour (laughs) metal like kind of deathcore stuff (laughs) and uh going from um well before that i was even into like even into kind of like ska and like punk and stuff like that that was kind of just what my older brother and his friends were listening to and my friend's older brothers and stuff like that. They had a, my friend's older brother had a ska band that we would see at like battle of the bands and stuff like that in my high school. And that was, that was like the first uh, like foray into live shows and uh, going from that to like, yeah, like I said, like warp tour and stuff like that, which was in Scranton at uh, this place montage mountain, which is huge location. And they would do that every year. So that was that was cool. And like, I feel like a lot of normal, quote unquote, normal people would go to Warp Tour and then just not go to any other shows like throughout the year. But like me and my friends would like try to go to whatever shows we could in in Northeast PA and like Allentown and even like maybe Philadelphia sometimes. I don't know. But uh, yeah, all that kind of that stuff kind of. Mm-hmm. a venue that we were going to started having less and less shows and each show kind of had less and less people showing up to it and it kind of got depressing <laughs> and as uh and I at this point I was totally unaware of like all the cool shit that was going on in Wolfsbear like uh like all the hardcore shows and stuff like that and I think I saw photos from I think I saw photos from Dead Empath playing at this venue called Redwood art space. And that was like, I was like my mind blown by that. I was like, what, like this is going on 45 minutes from where I live. (laughs) I was like, and I haven't been doing any of that. haven't been attending any of these shows. I was like, I didn't know any of the bands, but I was just like, this looks way more exciting than whatever is going on (laughs) near Scranton, you know? So that definitely like drew me in and got into all everything after that, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome how uh, nervous were you driving to that first uh, show by yourself
1: (laughs) it was it was bad I was like I was like sweating all over and it was in a really kind of sketchy part of uh it wasn't in wilkes it was uh it was at Redwood Art Space which was it's like in a town called Plains I think which is kind of like not really wilderness but like there's no like city or buildings it was kind of just like gas stations and weird little side businesses and like trailer parks and stuff and i think that's what redwood was near was a was a huge trailer park and uh it was basically connected to a mini mall like a strip mall it was like the end space of a mini mall and like that's how big it was i think it's a laundromat now because it shut down in 2012 it's very sad to go by it and see that it's a that it's a laundromat but uh, yeah, that was that was it, the kind of vibe of of what I perceived that area to be at that age was like kind of is pretty intimidating, I guess. And I don't know, all of these all these tough guys were there too, so I don't know. It was cool,
0: but you had a good enough time to keep going, right?
1: Yeah, I think I was watching. I think I was watching Beware, and somebody like smashed into my head, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not really like getting you know uh like a bad vibe overall i was kind of just stoked to be there and like kept going like it was it was a really fun show i think it was i think the lineup was uh was beware expired dead empath backtrack and cold world and uh yeah that was that was like one of the highlight shows too because i think like towards the end of uh redwood shutting down it was like it was that show and then like two more and i think and I think it closed after that. So I, I really only caught like the tail end of that place being open, but that was like, I guess like a, a golden age in, in bears, you know, timeline.
0: And how did you find out about like, you know, like other shows after that? Did you like meet people at that show and just start being friends or was it just all like social media?
1: It actually took a while for me to like kind of meet anybody because, um, after after that place closed down was like the last summer I had before I went off to to college and then I guess from trying to go to shows around where I went to school I kind of met some people from from Mar- I went to school in York PA which is like an hour north of Baltimore area Maryland so it was still in PA but uh, much closer to to Baltimore than either Philly or or Wilkes Barre so got to meet a few people. Uh, from maryland by going to shows in baltimore that that was when i started meeting more people you know and kind of breaking out of this super not wanting to talk to anybody bubble that i went through in high school
0: I feel like I'm going through that now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Even though like I I have a podcast, um, but like outside of the podcast when I'm like out in the wild, I'm just like, uh, I was like, I have like my close friends. Um, and other than that, I think I'm okay. (laughs) And it's, it's weird, but like I always like obviously doing this, I want to talk to more people, but, um, it's just hard to do it sometimes
1: yeah i definitely know what you mean like uh i don't know going to like bigger shows and fests like that i see i always see people and i'm like oh wow they they did something that i like really admire like i admire their work and creativity you know if somehow i have a conversation with them that's cool that's like what i would like to branch out and do and because you know sometimes people have seen what you do and it's and it's cool to talk about that sort of stuff but uh yeah i definitely know what you mean just kind of there's there's people that like to talk and meet new people just to do that and I don't really understand. <laughs> but uh yeah.
0: Yeah, like w- when I'm like a fan of like somebody's like band or whatever their craft is and I see them in person, like I always like like I'm not afraid to go and talk to them, but I always just like want to um, try to give off like th- like the good like energy and not come off as like a weirdo or like a crazy like fanboy. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I think like my, my biggest um, like fear is like just their reaction because like I, I can go and talk to them, but I'm just I'm always just fearing of like how they're gonna like you know take what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I just definitely I definitely agree with that I don't I don't try to punish anybody you know being a weird fanboy and kind of forcing somebody like you can tell someone's like not having a good time talking to you I don't know I've just sat there and I've watched like like I've had a friend of mine who's in a band talk to someone who's like a super fan like to them and I can just kind of see it on their face like they're kind of in pain talking talking to them like enduring a conversation you know I don't know, stuff like that. That's definitely not a a vibe that I want to give off. Just like, I don't know, not treating people like celebrities is uh, a thing with that, you know, trying not to make people seem higher than everybody else. Just talking to everybody like normal people. I think that's like the kind of vibe that I think is most comfortable for everybody.
0: Yeah, like I, I spent a lot of time in Disneyland, and th- this happened to me the other day. I was just um uh, hanging out in the Magic Shop because like one of my best friends um runs it. <laughs> And um, I was in there hanging out, just minding my own business. I was on the phone with my buddy Garrett and walking through the magic shop is um, one of like my favorite like um, fighting game, like uh, content creators. uh, This guy named Maximilian, he has like a YouTube channel. Um, He streams on Twitch and he just puts out like high quality content and he's really good. At fighting games and like breaking down like the lore and like just talking about like all like the current stuff going on. And like, I've never seen him in person, and I literally like watch all of his videos. So, like, when he was walking through, it just kind of like clicked. I'm like, holy shit, like that's Maximilian. So, I told my buddy, I'm like, yo, like, I gotta call you back. So, I hung up the phone. And, like, I just, like, didn't really know, like, what I was going to do. So, I just, like, yelled his name. I'm, like, yo, Maximilian. And, like, he kind of turned around and, like, looked surprised that somebody knew who he was. And he was just, like, hey, dude, like, what's up? And I was just, like, oh. I was, like, dude, I was, like, I just want to tell you, like, I watch all your videos. Like, I love, like, all your content. And then, like, trailing in behind him was, like, his, like, I think it was, like, his mom and, like, you know, probably, like, his, his auntie and, like, other family members. And he just, like, was, like, you know, very, like, grateful but I just I had to leave it at that because like I saw that he was with his family and I didn't want to like go and like, you know, press him for a picture or like keep talking to him because like I knew that he was there, like you know, with family and just trying to like enjoy his time. So like I just didn't want to like rush him and like be like too over the top, you know.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's a, the best way of going about doing it, you know, and you you think from like his perspective, too, if like you were doing that sort of thing, like that's if you're just out at Disneyland, you know, with your family and somebody recognizes you and it's just kind of like a short interaction, then you're like, OK, that's sick. Like, I guess I get some kind of uh, confirmation that what I do, you know, is getting out to people and people like it. So total strangers like it, you know, that's that's really cool. <laughs>
0: yeah and like as much as i wanted to like keep talking to him i just had to be like yo like i don't want to like freak him out and (laughs) just want him to like you know be able to be a normal person and not have to deal with uh crazed fans um you know in most random places
1: yeah for sure
0: (laughs) Um, and uh, you mentioned ryan earlier um you uh they actually just posted um the artwork that you did for um their uh new album coming out on triple b records and i I, I remember you posted and talking about how you actually like painted that first is that correct
1: yeah yeah that was um i haven't really you know i've always admired like artwork that's that's paintings you know um doing a ton of work into into the cover of something is always is always really sick. And I, I kind of talked to Ryan about it before we even did any work on the on the front cover. And uh, he was talking to me about um, just trying to do something different, I guess. And we've uh, always gone back and forth about, you know, with the aesthetic of the band and trying to do stuff that's, you know, not so generic, especially with a genre that they're kind of rooted in of like youth crew oriented sort of stuff. And, uh, he was talking about doing something along the lines of like cubism or expressionism. Um, I think it's definitely more cubism than anything else. And I think that was a field that I've always had interest in, uh, like, I guess a a genre of painting. I've always thought that was really cool. And, uh, I think that I was really interested in doing like my take on that sort of thing. And uh, taking uh, all the aesthetic that we already kind of built up from doing like the promo cover and stuff like that, like that was in itself kind of a more surrealism sort of thing. And and with that, you kind of get a lot of like symbolism and stuff like that and stuff you can take your own way and apply it to whatever you got going on, you know. And I think it's really expanded on and in the the 12 inch cover, you know, there's a lot of different ideas there and, um, Ryan's got really, really great lyrical, uh, content material. Um, I think, you know, we both influence each other to, we kind of bounce off back and forth with, uh, his lyrics kind of reflect the art that I'm doing. And, and, you know, sometimes the art that I do, uh, you know, provides inspiration for, for lyrics too. So I think it's a real, a really cool collaborative effort between the two of us. And I'm really stoked how the, how the front cover came out. That was kind of my first attempt at doing a painting for an album cover. Obviously I like I've done painting like in college and high school even. And I'm not like only like maybe a quarter of those are, are anything good that I enjoy looking at from time to time. But the one that I just did is something that I'm, I'm really stoked how it turned out to put like close to nine hours into that, which is more than anything else I've ever done for commission for an artist, you know?
0: Yeah, it definitely came out like awesome. Cause I even told him that I was into the promo art. And when he mentioned that, um, the promo art wasn't going to actually be the cover for the record, I, I was like really <coughs> curious to see what the cover was going to be like. And when you guys um, posted it the other day, I was like, you know, pretty happy to see that it was like kind of in like that same vein, And just the colors its cool. It's just, there's like a lot to look at,
1: you know? Yeah. I definitely think it's kind of, uh, an evolution from the promo art, you know, the promo art's pretty simple. I I drew that with like a, I don't know, a pilot G2 pen and, uh, kind of took black and white markers and colored that. I think I only did it with like a gray marker and like a a blue marker. And that was it like super simple. And Mm. then the 12 inch was, uh, I think it was either on kind of like a canvas paper or just like a flat kind of Bristol paper, which is just like a thicker watercolor kind of paper. And that was with like tube watercolors that I've kind of had like in my room for a while and not really used for anything. They're, they're kind of expensive. So I was like not wanting to waste them on something, just kind of messing around from time to time. So I'm, I'm really glad I got to, you know, actually use some high quality materials for for something like this
0: so you um paint it and then how do you get it to um to be digital Do you just take like take a picture of it i don't know that i process. have
1: a i have a, a nice uh epson kind of quality scanner that's for that's pretty much what i use for everything to, to digitize it okay um it's kind of tricky because it's i think the actual size of the of the painting is like like 13 by 13, or it might be like two scale, like 12 by 12, which is kind of what I think you should do if you're making, you know, something for a 12 by 12 record. But, um, yeah, it's kind of tricky because you got to scan it in, uh, in two different pieces because the scan area is only like eight and a half by 11, which is normal, like printer paper size. And, uh, so kind of lining those up in Photoshop back together, like kind of stitching it back together, is it's kind of weird because we're tilting issues and not everything scans like totally straight all the time. And I don't know, but, you know, it's not too much of a hassle and doing bigger pieces is always fun and having actual artwork instead of kind of corralling everything together, like digitally is is always cool to have like a physical piece of artwork attached to a project, you know?
0: Yeah, and I'm like looking at it right now, and I'm trying to see because you said you had to like stitch them together, and I can't even you know tell where um the two separate pieces are, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't remember where the the seam was either. It might have been might have been like halfway. Sometimes you get lucky, and there's like the majority of it scanned already, and you only have to do like 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 less than a third is where the seam is, you know, stuff like that.
0: So what are the plans for the original piece? What are you gonna do with it? I
1: think I'm just gonna hold on to it. I did another cover for the back or another piece for the back of it and it's uh, I guess everybody will see it when it comes out but it's it's kind of the same color palette and it's it's maybe like a third of the size because it's a re- is a, it's a square so it's kind of a, a wider rectangle and uh, has like the song titles underneath. But um, that painting actually I gave to my grandmother for her birthday a few few months ago, so that's where that one is. But the front cover is—I uh, think I'm either going to hold on to that, or it's—it'll have a—it has a place somewhere else in the future, I think. But um, if not, I'll—I'll I'll definitely just be holding on to it like everything else.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Do you like have like a portfolio with all the other um, artwork that you've done or do you just kind of like keep that in like a special like safe or something?
1: I just have a, a lot of boxes in my room, just flat kind of boxes, wherever stuff fits together, you know, try to keep it away from the elements. I guess, you know, I had a, I had a window open one time and it was raining and I got a whole bunch of water into a, a case and i had a almost a mild uh, uh meltdown you know with years of work getting ruined by some water but uh ever since then it's kind of keep everything away from you know the windows even if they're closed doesn't doesn't matter
0: yeah th- that's crazy that's how i feel like um i, I collect comic books and I, I i try to keep everything in like really nice like condition so like i have like like a million like boxes in my room like full of my comics and like like 99 percent of the time they just like sit in the boxes like i'll read them uh you know tape them up put them in the box and that's where they kind of like live um but i'm always like paranoid because it's it's like you know paper and like it's gonna like weather over time and like i'm always just trying to keep um like my room like the best like you know temperature and like like you know just keep it like the best environment for my books because i want them to like last forever um and obviously like i don't know how long they're actually gonna last but like i just try to keep them like the best like you know shape possible and like i always stress out like people like i don't like, like i get like super weird when people like want to like look through my comic books and i just like don't like trust anybody unless they're like another like comic book collector like I am I just don't want anybody touching my comic books I, I'm just like really weird about it
1: yeah exactly like I don't know that's yeah that's your collection I, I definitely think you have the right to, to be weird about it if you want and not let anybody touch it that's fine
0: <laughs> okay um, so I, I, I started off um, you know with uh, Nate And um, Nate uh, Prosciutto, and he gave me like this awesome list of um, people that I should have on, and starting with um, him, and then I had um, Ryan on, and now it's you. Like I've asked both of them about um, like title fight, and so I feel like I couldn't let you off the podcast without asking you about them, and um, I I just wanted to ask. You mentioned um, uh, Warp Tour. And, am um, the one that happened at, um, uh, Mon, uh, Montage Mountain. Yeah. Um, so, um, were you at the warp Tour in 2007 when Title Fight played?
1: Um, I think the last warp Tour I went to was 2012 and that was when Title Fight played like the whole tour or most of it. And, okay. uh, that was when I, that was the first time I saw them actually too, <laughs> which is, uh, which it was cool. Like, it was a, a strange crowd of, of like, you kind of recognize people from like the normal shows here and there. And it's like, and then that's mixed in. Like, everybody who was there that I've seen from other shows doesn't usually go to Warp Tour, but they're like, oh, it's Title Fight. Like, yeah, I'm going. Like, why wouldn't I go? It's kind of like, it's Title Fight's kind of just like a band that that does that. And I think that's really cool.
0: That's awesome. I, I seriously love that band. And I actually remember that year of Warped Tour, that was, um, the one year I remember, like, I think I had like work or something cause I, I, I couldn't go, but I remember specifically asking my friends that were going, I was like, here, I'll like, give you money. Like I need a title fight backpack cause they, um, had like four, I think it was like three or four different colors of backpacks I think there was like a Navy blue, a green and a red and some other color. And I was like begging like my friends, like I need somebody to get me the red back backpack. That's all I want. And uh, for some reason, nobody could come through. And I was always like really bummed out because I just like, you know, random like pieces of merch, like outside of like, you know, T-shirts, long sleeves and hoodies. I just love like the obscure stuff because the bands don't really make it that often, you know
1: yeah i i think i remember seeing those hoodies too and i was just like way too broke to get one (laughs) but i'm just like i'm definitely a big fan of like obscure merch items too like i'm working on a uh like a fact sheet for warren right now like towards the end of the year and uh i think my we're just doing all like it's usually pretty dumb the fact sheet but uh like we're all doing top fives and the the top five i'm doing is just like weird merch items that came out this year like this band Lust for Youth, which is like a new wave band made like chapstick, I think. And like uh, like this this band City Hunter made uh, like kitchen knives with their logo on it. Just like crazy shit like that is like I'm a huge fan, but uh, yeah, I definitely remember Title Fight having having really good at, it. not crazy obscure like that, but uh just really cool. Ideas for stuff, and they always they always pulled off pulled it off like a. I know people who have floral green disposable cameras that they're never going to shoot any photos on. They just like want it to stay the same as it was when they got it.
0: Damn, that's crazy! I didn't even know that that they made those.
1: Oh really? I think they came with like the deluxe version of like the floral green LP, which was like I think all like maybe all the colors and like the disposable camera. It's just got like the artwork on like a weird little like cardboard sleeve on it it looks it looks great
0: yeah i i feel um like i i don't collect records so like whenever bands do pre-orders like i just don't like i i, I want to support but i don't collect records so i like when bands like do like different pre-order packages that like don't include records
1: yeah i i'm definitely on that boat too like i kind of fell off buying records like as much like uh i think that's cool though too when they when they do just kind of like a package of like just kind of all the merch items that go along with it like i know i know title fight made like sweatpants that uh had like 3m ink in it to go along with like the cover of hyperview and that was like another huge thing that everybody was going after so that's cool yeah
0: Okay. Speaking of Hyperview, were you into that record?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like it was obviously a different take, but, uh, I'm glad like, you know, they branched out and didn't do like another floral green, you know, like I think about that and I'm like, you know how weird that would be if they just kept writing like kind of the same idea over and over again. Like it's, it's tight. Like it's great. They're, they're like one of the best at what they do, but like, I'm definitely glad they, they tried out some new things. Um, I think uh, LP that's kind of like the seven inch they did on Rev, which is more I guess like Sonic youth style kind of stuff. I think that would be really cool. maybe if they did that instead of I don't know, I can't even I don't really have a, a great description on what Hyperview is other than like kind of shoegaze influence. Um, I really like all the songs they wrote though I don't I don't think it's worse than anything else in their discography it's it's all like uh, one of the one of the bands that i thought was like that came to mind was like chapter house and like kind of i guess lower tier shoegaze bands that had some really cool ideas and i think they they did something really great with with it and i don't know they're a very influential band so if if other people want to stop trying to copy them and do their own thing too that'd be great (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like I and I always
0: say it. I, I feel like um, Hyperview um, just got a lot of flack and I don't think it was fair. Um, I definitely love that, you know, they were always like evolving their sound because you can only, you know, go to that well so many times with that you know particular sound. People are going to get tired and then, you know, people are going to get bored and start hating you for that. Um, you know, for putting out the same records. So I, I think I prefer bands, um, you know, to try to progress and uh, still make cool records. And I feel like Hyperview was that like, it was different. And I think just a lot of people weren't ready for it. They were just comfortable with um, how title fight sounded before that, even though like with every record, they were kind of leading up to that anyways. I just don't understand why so many people like hate that record.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that it wasn't fair for people to to hate it so much. I didn't even like, I didn't even really see that much hate on it, like when it came out. But like years later, I still see people that are like, I think the worst is like when people like title fight will post anything like on their Instagram, like the, I forget what it's called, like title fight fan page or something like that, title fight fan club. But like all the comments are just like, when's title fight coming back? Like, is uh like why is hyperview so bad and stuff like that and i'm just like i don't know like i don't know why people are so uh, against like the the whole progression of it but um i don't know i definitely i definitely think they had some good ideas on it i would love to see them come back too i'm i'm on i'm on board with with the title fight please come back sort of thing but, uh, if I don't have to see memes about it anymore, that would be great too.
0: <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's, it's crazy that like their like absence has like, you know, affected so many people that, you know, these memes are like catching on and like, we're seeing like, where's title fight memes. Uh, cause like, I can't think of like any other band that's like, you know, in the scene that have like, you know, got that kind of like, you know, praise.
1: Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely up there and like probably the one of my favorites. Like definitely super influential too. Like everyone in the band has so many ideas and like just stuff that they're into. And uh, it's weird when people don't like Tidal Fight at all. I don't know, they're just like being from this area. It's like if people, because I've heard people say like, oh, I just can't get into Tile Fight. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, they're just a band that's so great and doesn't, is. it's a flawless discography, in my opinion. It's weird when people don't like that band. But I don't know, they're just a super special band for, for everyone in this area.
0: Yeah, I, I think even like, um, so I first saw them. It was Sound and Fury, two thousand nine, and I remember leading up to that, I was just like, okay, the the bands that I really want to see um, at this fest are, um, I remember it was uh, Mother of Mercy because I hadn't seen them, um, I haven't seen them at that point, uh, the Carrier, um, Bad Seed, and Title Fight. Those were like like the top bands that I wanted to see that um were on the bill. Um shout outs to Naysayer. They played a secret set. But I, I remember um like just leading up to title fight, I was like, "This is crazy!" Like I've listened to this band like on MySpace. I've seen like you know videos online, and like it's like cool. Like I finally get to see them, and just like I'll, I'll never forget like seeing them. uh There was like some random guy who like staged over before the set even start, and I'm like, "This is crazy!" And like there's so many people <laughs> that like came into the room and like just like piled in, and it was just so packed for them. And like I'll just never forget like that, like my first time seeing them, and even back then, like it's almost so like 10 years ago like it, it was a big deal you know and they hadn't even like popped off at that point they were still you know just a, a just like a normal band and uh, just like I, I, I don't even know where I'm getting at and like I just um, know back then like I thought it was special to see them and like I want to see them again um, you know at some point hopefully they do come back and play a show or play multiple shows so more people can see them
1: Yeah, that's that's wild. That lineup is insane. Also, um, uh, yeah, that that's I think that that the first time I saw them was Warped Tour, but like really the first time was um, seeing them at this skate park in Scranton. And that was just like uh, I think it was a floor level show and it was just people jumping off of like like hubba's and stuff like that and and like skate features and shit like that was like the real deal title fight experience. And yeah, I definitely wish that would come back, too. That uh, that show they played in, I think, in Amityville in uh, early January, like of this year. Um, I don't think many people knew that that was like going to be the last time that they played for a really long time. And uh, I don't know. I I tried. To, I wanted to go, but I didn't know anybody around my area who was going. And then apparently, most of everyone went and got tickets. So I was like, all right, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm not going to that. But um yeah, they haven't played Wolksbear since twenty fifteen. So that was like a, that was like the I guess impromptu record release for Hyperview, which was like them, Cold World, War Hungry, West Point and uh, our friends band Maniac opened that. But um yeah, I definitely agree. Like it's always been a, a really cool experience seeing them from time to time and it's always like a big deal too like them playing their hometown is like sells out in like 15 minutes and like there's even like like lines outside the venue like even when everyone already has tickets and it doesn't make any sense because it's like that's there's never been lines at shows in wilkes it's always just kind of like show up and hang out and then the show starts it's it's weird because we're not that we're not a major city so stuff like that is strange
0: yeah and, and that's like,
1: like kind of brings that in
0: yeah it's crazy and man hopefully they, they do come back because like you know it's awesome that they went and played like that um that show in Amityville and like I saw the video online I was telling Ryan this when he was on the podcast and like the set was so cool like I created a, a playlist um, from their set list and I, I listened to it like all the time and just, uh, you know, hope that one day they'll make it back out to California and, you know, th- they can play wilkes Bear and just, I don't know, maybe get back into it or, or maybe they're just not into it anymore. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I'm really I'm really not sure how they all feel about it. Um, they're all doing cool things, though, you know, like uh, like the guitar player Shane has been he's been doing artwork for for tons and tons of bands like this past year and it's been so cool seeing him like you know branch out and do other stuff it's it's sick and like it's cool to have other people in like the area who do art for other stuff like that and get to talk about it and because it's kind of like me and my friend Caleb uh Hartnett I think I forget how to say his last name (laughs) but um he's like he's another person who you know actively does art for bands like in the area so it's like kind of us three and like i don't know it's always cool to talk about that sort of stuff with everybody but everybody's doing their own thing and it's it's cool like as long as people have something going on you know i know jamie has another has another band called haze too and they've been a band since like maybe 2011 or 2012 and they were like that was kind of like the same guitar effect that's on hyper view, but it's like more like a punk band. And he has this one woman singing. I've never, I've never met her before. I don't know what her name is, but she's, it's a combination of like <clears throat> kind of abrasive punk sort of stuff, but with her singing on it. And it's a really, really cool idea. Like they really pulled it off with that. And they like, finally came out with like a full release this past i think it was on halloween or like just towards the end of october so that was cool to see too
0: i didn't even know that i actually have to look into that because yeah um uh, he was the singer of bad seed and i was always been like a fan of him so i was like all right gotta <laughs> check that out now
1: yes yeah, sh- shane's sick he's great <laughs>
0: um have you ever heard of uh, the artist David Cho? I don't think so. He's uh, he got famous because uh, it got like reported that he painted the um, headquarters of Facebook and instead of taking um he got offered um well his options were he could get paid sixty thousand dollars or he could um, get shares in the company and he said screw it like i don't need money i'll just take the shares so he like painted the offices facebook blew up and then um it got leaked that he had like all these shares and he's like a like a billionaire and um he's just like this crazy like artist and he just kind of like just does whatever he wants now because he just like like he's so rich like just money doesn't even like matter to him and like he's like had like multiple different podcasts um his own like uh cho shows what he calls it he's in like a crazy punk band um i think he's like pretty interesting um if, if you've never heard of him you should definitely check out his art and i'd be curious to know what you think about it
1: yeah, I definitely will. It's uh that's definitely the dream, you know, to uh, pull off like the one big thing that kinda sets you up to do everything else, to do like whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I work a corporate job. I don't really talk about it too much, but that is kind of funding um, you know, all the other things that I'm doing, like my website, the merge, this podcast. Um, so the goal is for all this to take off so I can quit that job
1: yeah same i kind of have a just a normal graphic design job and everything else is like i don't know i've just been jumping around from job to job and it's all pretty whatever not really <laughs> fun design work but uh the new place i'm at it is is a lot more uh creative freedom but you know all the freelance stuff i do for for bands is like what i actually would like to do if i could
0: and the new place that you're at are you like like uh like an employee or are you like just contracted or like, how does that work?
1: I'm like a graphic artist there. Like every day it's, it's pretty sick. It's called Axel Red screen printing and works And we actually have like printed merch for title fight and like everybody there knows like what's good. It's just, we do a lot of cool stuff for, for bands sometimes. Sometimes we do stuff for bands that aren't so great, but it's, uh, it's, uh, definitely a really cool environment.
0: For sure. That um, kinda of reminds me of like I, I used to work at this um this merch company and like uh like probably like 95 percent of the stuff that uh we did like all the artists like on our roster like i just didn't like any of it and i I would just be so mind blown at like all the things that would actually like move like pretty well like merch wise and just like the kind of like art direction that certain things had i just didn't understand like how they're they're just like selling so many of these like things that i thought were like you know kind of like hideous or gross
1: yeah i definitely definitely know what you mean we've done like i don't know if i'm cool to say what bands exactly but they're it's basically like new metal bands like bands that have been around like 10 plus years and they're doing like huge stadium tours and like when it's uh when it's like kind of slow up front i'll go and i'll like get sent to the back to like kind of help them pull the shirts off the presses and stuff and it will print like 300 of this design that's like just garbage like horrendous looking de- like design and it's like and then that we hear about how they sold out like four days into the tour after like a like a ten thousand piece run and it just i don't know it doesn't make any sense
0: it's weird yeah part of me just thinks that like it's just it has to be like their fandom like people are just down to support the band and just will wear whatever they put out you know
1: yeah absolutely like people who yeah don't care about you know a design they're just and it's like they sell the shirts for so much money too, like $20, $25 shirts. It's like it's wild.
0: OK, um, I, I don't want to like out this company, but so we used to um, like when I, 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 like I don't work for the company anymore, but they used to print um, for this other company. And, um, they would sell like these windbreakers, like I'm like the most generic windbreakers ever. And like they don't cost that much to make, but they're reselling them for like eighty dollars a windbreaker. And, and like, I just didn't understand. like I was like, look at it, and like the quality's not even that good it's like yeah the, the printing was okay but just the actual like garment itself wasn't high quality like wasn't definitely not worth the 80 dollars that they were charging and i just didn't understand how like the their fans like didn't understand like th- what they were wearing definitely wasn't like worth what they were paying for
1: yeah that's that's wild when that happens Since like i don't know yeah i guess you just got to find that demographic that doesn't really uh notice quality things like that and i like i'll like point that out to people too and i'm like i was like yo this is printed like really bad and like everybody just kind of gets annoyed with me and they're like well, why do you have to like point it out why do you have to notice things like that and it's like i don't know it's kind of my job to have an eye out and, and do that but uh yeah it's funny yeah and
0: i, I guess like like in, in some ways I get it too. Cause like I, I'm a fan of uh, this, like I hate calling her pop, but I guess she's like a pop singer. Her name's Halsey. I don't know if you've ever heard of her.
1: I think I have, I think I might've found her from like related artists. Cause I'm, I'm really into Grimes, like older okay. Grimes stuff. And yeah, I think sure. she might've had her featured on that at some point, but okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, Halsey, like I think she puts out cool merch and it's like 35 40 dollars like a t-shirt and like okay, I'm like okay like I get it she's like a bigger artist so this is like the kind of prices that I expect to pay and obviously like when I get the piece I know that it's not worth that much but I'm willing to pay the premium just to be able to rock her merch cuz I'm a fan yeah <laughs> um but there's times where like she's like sold like you know crazy like letterman's jacket for like a couple hundred dollars and like when it's that high I'm just like oh like I don't know if I'm willing to pull the trigger on something that I know that's probably not going to be worth that um so I think there's like a point where like I just won't pay like you know crazy amounts for things that I know that aren't worth that
1: yeah I think um I think they always have an idea of like a really high quality merch item. And then when they like kind of make it for the general public, it's like, Oh, what's the version of this that costs the least amount to make. And like, people won't care either way. And it's like, maybe the first couple they make are like real high end. And then like, they kind of find that generic item. That's like whatever they can print. Like a, it's like a quarter of what the the wholesale value is of the product and all that sort of stuff gets, gets pretty complicated. But, uh, yeah, I definitely like it when, when like, like normal bands kind of like lower level bands will make kind of expensive things like, uh, cause you know, it's like pretty high quality, I guess. Like, um, I forget what I was at a turnstile show, like maybe 2015 or 2016 and they had like five hoodies they made with uh carhartt work in progress and they like had like 3m and like embroidery everywhere and stuff and they were like 75 dollars and like they only made five of them so and i was like it was for like just a tour and i think i think they sold out of them by the time or maybe they had like a small and like an xl or a double xl at that show because people were you know going off and it's you know i think carhartt stuff is is pretty well made so it's just cool ideas like that i think that's like the best version of of a of like a high end item you know
0: yeah and i'm like like willing to pay for quality if it's there but if i know that um the t-shirt that they're selling for you know forty dollars literally cost them like you know four bucks to make that's when i'm just kind of like you know start getting like kind of hesitant to spend that
1: yeah i think uh i think my my mom went to an elton john concert back in like I forget what year but I asked her to get me a shirt and uh she gives me the shirt like the next day and she told me it was $30 and I was like you could have just not gotten me that that would have been fine and it was like not that good of a design either it was like i don't know it was like a bunch of collage stuff on it and it was i was like yeah you could have you could have passed on that this is like i think it was one of those real thin t-shirts too like the kind of like the tissue paper shirts that i'm just not a fan of anyway and i was like i'm really appreciative of this but like i don't know if i'm gonna wear this shirt ever
0: you just gotta hang it up in your closet or fold it and just tuck it away
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: man that's crazy yeah and i i always like get kind of like okay so you're you're talking about like elton john and the shirt being thin like i'm like i'm like a huge disneyland fan like or just disney in general and i'm always at disneyland and like they put out um like cool designs but just like the um, shirts like I don't know if they have um, like a deal with Hanes I've never really looked into it but like every shirt that they print on is on Hanes and just like the quality is just not there but like i understand they have to like mass produce this because they're like servicing like you know millions of people and like it would just be way more expensive to actually do decent quality stuff at that rate so like i understand um but it just like pisses me off at the same time because like there's so many cool things that i want to like you know like buy and like wear but it's just like the quality is just so low I, i just can't spend like the you know a super premium price for like a crap t-shirt
1: yeah i definitely know what you mean and like the like a company as big as disney too is like so many pieces of like the same design you know like definitely trying to do like the, the least amount for the base shirt and stuff like that
0: yeah. And I, I find that they're, um, they vintage stuff. Like I go on Depop and see like people selling like Disney merch from like the nineties. And back then the quality was like way better than it is now. So I'm like more inclined to pay the normal prices today for like an older piece.
1: Yeah. I think like, um, with the invention of like it's not like an iron on it's like a, it's like a high end version of an iron on and it's like not, but like the point is that it's not screen printing. Like it doesn't involve ink. So like I think with the invention, like uh, DTG. Yeah. Yeah. I think like stuff like that, that's like kind of removes the element of, of screen printing and it's even less work for people to put graphics on shirts, you know, with like, so with the invention of that, it's like even, even less work. And, uh, doing that on i think that i think that costs less than screen printing i would imagine because it's definitely less work but uh yeah the combination of that and like the lowest like quality shirt is like and selling it for thirty dollars is like the maximum profit they could do it's just wild how that works
0: yeah and it's a trip because like um obviously like most people won't understand like, you know, the difference in like printing quality, but like they sell crazy amounts of merch. Um, but I'm just like one of those people that like, aren't willing to, um, buy like crap stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel you on the, on the getting the older stuff too. That's all like, you know, a lot more work put into it and it's, it's higher quality too. And it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. I definitely look for the older um like I, I think a good example with that of like like the times kind of changing is like horror movie t-shirts like i find i have like a bunch of those and they all have a uh, like the dates and stuff printed at the bottom when they're produced and they're all like uh like a four color process of the the movie cover it looks like it's so sick like i have a i have this jacob's ladder one and that one's like only like white and blue and and red and it looks, it looks insane. And like, I think I've seen, like I've tried to find other shirts from them and they're all direct to garment, like just boring versions of the movie cover. And it's weird how, uh, how people don't really have like a creative idea for, for doing newer stuff. Like the easiest way out, I guess is what you could say.
0: So are you like a huge, um, like horror fan?
1: i think pretty moderate i don't know within like the past couple years it's definitely something that i've gotten into a lot more like it's it's i keep finding weird stuff so i just keep going into it i guess like uh it just hasn't really run out for me yet i'm kind of getting into like the b like c territory of like where i'm not even watching i'm kind of just like flipping through it to see if anything cool is happening and Cause you kind of get those sometimes that's like you watch a whole thing and you're like, wow, that wasn't good for any percentage of that experience. So it's like, I don't know, but sometimes there's, there's really, there's really cool stuff out there, but, um, it's fun.
0: Yeah. I had this buddy who was like super into horror and I remember, um, he showed me this, um, I, I want to say it was like, I guess be horror. It was called like, uh, homicycle, cycle and like the 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 killer was some guy like in like a like uh who rode like a motorcycle and he had like his whole like biker outfit and he wore like a biker helmet so you couldn't see his face but i swear like the whole movie was like filmed on like an iphone like the the quality was just so bad but i I think it it was like it it, it was at the point where like it was so bad that it was good i don't know if you've ever experienced that with those movies
1: oh yeah for sure like Like I have a bunch of movies that I that I just adore, and I know they're terrible, but uh, that sounds sick. I think I'm looking that up right now. And the poster is like the poster's nuts. It's just (laughs) like very 80s. Like like the logo is great. Looks like motorcycle graphics and like just fire and laser beams and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. There's this movie. There's a movie that I really like by this. uh, I think this guy Neil Marshall. He directed like this movie, The Descent. Which is like a very good horror movie, actually. Like actually well done. But he did he did this other movie called Doomsday. I forget when, but it's like it's like three movies put into one movie, and it's like it's so wild. And it's just I rewatched it like a couple months ago. I was like, yo, this is bad. But like it's like Mad Max, uh, a zombie movie, and like a medieval like gladiator movie, like all put together, and it just doesn't really like. It's such a weird vibe, but it's, it's so sick at the same time. Like it feels like it should have came out when like escape from New York came out and like, it's really that kind of vibe. And like, I don't even think the lead actress has gone on to do anything else. Cause of how bad that movie was. <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't know. I definitely agree with you. Like sometimes they're, they're real cool and sometimes they're just like, they totally miss it. I think like a general self-awareness of like knowing that your project is kind of insane is, is good. And then like people who take it way too seriously kind of doesn't really work out.
0: Yeah. Cause they're already, you're already acknowledging that it's not going to be like the most like, you know, intense like horror film. You're just kind of just doing your thing.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's how I heard like the new Aquaman is too. Like it's uh it's I think somebody said it was like borderline Saturday morning cartoon, like anime level, like ridiculousness. And I'm like, I guess that's cool. I don't know. Cause like, I didn't think it was going to be that good because Jason Momoa is kind of a terrible actor. But uh, <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, I think that's that's cool. Like just taking stuff seriously and, and and or not, you know, and having having a better time with it, I think definitely works out.
0: Yeah, I didn't have like high expectations for aquaman because like I'm, I'm so critical of like comic book movies in general oh yeah and um like the re- re- the reception that it's gotten like has been good um but like the one question that i like i ask everybody who like praises it like i just want to know if they liked it better than like wonder woman since like Wonder woman's like um like dc's um like you know top like comic book movie right now and like um in most everybody's opinion and like a lot of people that i talk to say that it's not better than one woman but it's better than everything else and i'm like okay like that's cool like, I, like i'm happy for them like i, I want to see them do good do better than what they have been putting out so like that's a good sign like i haven't seen it yet but i i, I plan to watch it at some
1: point yeah i I would love to see it at some point too um i didn't get to see wonder woman in the theaters i just saw it kind of at my house whenever it it, you know made its way under the home video sort of stuff and i was like because i was kind of in that boat of like yeah it's dc I i don't know if it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it watching this one but yeah it was definitely definitely went past uh expectations i had for a dc film it was it was a lot better than uh i don't know i walked in on my parents watching uh I think uh, Justice League. And I was like, yo, this is really bad. Like, I don't know if you guys should keep watching this. And they're like, they're like, yeah, why is this so bad? And I was like, you guys don't even have opinions on movies. Like, they just watch anything. And like, they're like, when people like that are like, yo, this is bad. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a good sign that something's really not, wasn't made that well. Yeah.
0: That was a huge bummer to me because I felt like, that movie was going to kind of determine like like dc's fate in this whole like you know comic movie race and like i just don't understand like how they botched like the justice league when they had like you know like i feel like you know all the right people to play those superheroes and they just just didn't do a good job and it just sucked
1: yeah i definitely agree it was it felt like a 45 minute long movie like it was such a weird uh, like pacing. Um, I definitely agree with the casting, though. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember who's the flash. The flash was great. I think it was, I think it was Ezra Miller. He did a he did like such a good job. He was like one of my favorite parts of that movie. Um, they like, I don't know about Batman though. they kind of like they kind of just botched his his whole dialogue, like everything with him was like, like the whole thing where he's like, like, what's your superpower? He's like, I'm rich. Ah, And I'm like, is that really what you're boiling Batman down to? Is like just that. Because like, I know that's a funny joke, like just on the side, but they kind of didn't really like we're like, okay, but for real, like Batman's a very complex character. They didn't do that. They just kind of like wrote off that joke and didn't really take him that seriously for the rest of the movie
0: yeah i I think they were just put in this awkward place because when um batman vs superman came out um they like you know like retold like his origin again and people were like you know giving them so much like crap for that they're like yo like we don't need another like batman origin like let's just like kind of roll with it we know who batman is so i think like that like line like was it like a product of that and i just think that they um just messed that up and they could have like you know went obviously like like a little deeper with like who batman is instead of just saying that he's rich you know
1: yeah yeah for sure and like, that was like, I think that was like Aquaman's first thing in that too. And I was like, God, I really don't, I really don't think Aquaman, like a standalone is going to be very good based off like just this dude in this movie, you know, it's strange.
0: Yeah. Like the only confidence that I had in Aquaman was the, the director, James Wan. Oh yeah. Um, and apparently he, he did a really good job and people like want to see him direct other DC movies to help save it.
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely got a good idea, like, for just photography, like, uh, setting up shots and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, all the Insidious movies that he was a huge part of, and basically that whole universe is, like, all pretty well done, and,
0: uh, yeah, and he's, uh, uh, part of, he does the, the Conjuring.
1: Yeah, I think, like, the, the first one's aging, kind of strange, but, uh the second second and third ones are, are pretty good i know that movie annabelle is is not very good but like the sequels, actually pretty good too i don't know it's that, it's weird how it's all connected
0: yeah but, i i haven't seen the annabelles but i remember people telling me that the first one was garbage but i should check out the second one
1: yeah and the, um, uh wait, sorry go ahead, go ahead. I know that the nun movie was very bad too but i don't think he did that so like it's like why would you keep making these movies without you know the visionary guy behind everything it's it's strange
0: yeah i don't know i i just like to imagine that maybe he wants to like you know give other people like opportunity that's why he's like letting like other people like have a hand in his universe but uh the nun was really bad i like watched it <laughs> and like i was like this is so stupid like this one like you know uh, character from like the, the conjuring like this is like their like whole like backstory and it just made no sense because of like how like powerful they were like or how powerful the nun was in the nun um compared to um the conjuring um, it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but also like, I haven't done like a, like a deep dive to try to compare the, um, nun, uh, from the nun to the nun in the conjuring. So I uh, just, yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird watch.
1: It seems like all she can do is like possess other people in the conjuring. And then like in the nun, she's kind of like her own thing, which is, which is weird, like a weird disparate kind of tone from movie to movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a weird. I was excited for that movie too, cause cause that nun was like terrifying. And in, in Conjuring Two, there's a scene where uh, the woman's daughter's in a hallway, and they and they point at her like it's like a real drastic cut shot to her just at the end of the hallway, and it's it's very very uh shocking and it's like something that i kind of like imagine when i'm like walking around like alone it's just kind of like seeing that like that's kind of what my brain does is just the uh, imagines weird scenarios from movies and stuff like that and like that's kind of like the placeholder of like the scary thing that's gonna be there it's just, like that lady and i'm like wow this i think the nun's gonna be very terrifying and it just kind of flopped so that was weird yeah, um,
0: maybe they'll do The Nun too, and <laughs> somehow um, redeem the, the first one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they have like a big timeline now. And like I know The Nun is like this, the super prequel to everything. So maybe they can just leave that and just kind of <laughs> go forward with it. I I don't know
0: yeah we'll have to see going forward what they will do with that i just want to see the next conjuring already because I, I remember after the second one came out james wan came out and said that he already kind of had like the timeline picked for the, the next one and um it was going to be like a pretty cool like a l- little more modern story because I, I think he said it was supposed to like take place in like the 80s
1: oh yeah that'd be sick i think uh the second one was like I it was like in the 70s, right? In like London, which is like such a cool time period of like, you know, bands and stuff like that. I think they were playing like, uh, I don't know, I think a shop had like the Smiths playing or something like that. And I was like, oh yeah, this is when they were like relevant, when they like started mm. being a band. And like, I don't know, that was a cool choice of time period. I think like the 80s thing is like still pretty cool. I don't know. I feel like there's potential that could it like wear itself out with like, I don't know, the whole like stranger things aesthetic and getting really popularized with stuff from the 80s but uh i don't know i think he could do a cool take on it yeah
0: um wait speaking of stranger things are are you a fan
1: i yeah i thought the first season was great the second season i watched it in one day and i was like uh, a bit a bit let down i don't know um I think the creature design kind of went down a little bit and like, they kind of had like too many things going on. Um, but I definitely think the like the whole like life cycle of like the Demi Gorgon was a cool idea. Like them showing you how that works. But, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if they're doing a season. Th- I mean, they they probably are doing a season three based on how popular it is. You know, they having merch and Target and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it should be good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's um, like season two is good, but it was just so hard to live up to the hype of season one. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I hope season three comes out soon because it's just hard like for just the cast because obviously like um, they're kids and like at this point they're just growing up and like, you know, I feel like it's like just kind of like a race against the clock. Like if they're going to try to keep this like storyline going for these kids or maybe they'll just have to kind of like do like a time lapse and, you know, kind of like age them in the show as well.
1: Yeah, because I know they were doing it like like the first year, like the first season came out in like the fall of I don't know three years ago, and then the second one came out a year later, like exactly. So and they didn't do it this year, so it's kind of. I think they're probably gonna have to do something like that. I don't know. Those guys are uh, those guys are doing pretty good stuff. Like everybody who was in it, like a, a bunch of those actors. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it might have just been the one kid from Stranger Things doing it, but uh, they all. I think they're off. You know doing cool stuff yeah aside like, from stranger things so that's cool
0: um yeah that millie bobby brown she's in the uh, new godzilla
1: oh yeah that's gonna be sick <laughs> yeah like
0: I-, I saw the trailer and i'm like yo like i'm pretty stoked about this
1: mm-hmm i don't know how I, like if it's related to the king kong movie i think people were saying that it is somehow but i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> i think uh i, I think didn't... the godzilla from 2015 and the new one are, are both going to be great
0: yeah I, I never saw um uh that new king kong but yeah but allegedly there's like a there's like some sort of like post credit scene where like um like <clears> it's kind of like building up to king kong versus godzilla so like, I think we might see some, something of that in this Godzilla film. Like maybe like they'll get their own like, post credit scene to, to tie the two films together. Finally.
1: Yeah, that'd be sick. I, uh, honestly the King Kong film is weird. Like it's got a weird, I, A lot of people like everybody who I talk to about it is like really a big fan of it. But I like, there's so weird vibe about it that I don't really understand. Like it's, I don't understand why I don't like it is what I'm trying to say. But, uh, yeah I don't know I think a fight with them would be cool I, I'm stoked to just see him fight King Ghidorah instead I was like I think this would be a much more interesting fight to finally get like a 2019 you know cinematic take on King Ghidorah would be very sick so I'm excited for that yeah it's definitely
0: going to be um, pretty interesting um, but, it, but it's weird to like um, like be at the age where like I'm seeing like a lot of things uh, that I saw as a kid like being remade
1: yeah, I definitely agree. Like, uh, like I know like the new Jurassic Park was like terrible and I was like, you guys should just stop doing these cause they're, they're only getting worse. And it's like, I don't know if nobody does them right. Like you shouldn't bring it back. Like it's weird. Yeah. Cause,
0: cause I don't think anybody was like clamoring for that. They just kind of like put it out there.
1: Yeah. And I mean like the first one that was the, the new one that came out. I don't know, 2015, like was just a bunch of callbacks to like the old stuff anyway. So it was like, what's the point if you're, if it's just a big nostalgia trip, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I feel like they probably saw the success of, um, star Wars episode seven, which like, that's basically what it was, was just like a big nostalgia bomb. And people would just love that, like ate it up. So maybe they're like, Oh, like we can try that out too.
1: Yeah. You're, you're definitely right. (laughs) I, uh, I thought that that was a cool take, though. You know, the like, yeah, like I was saying, like a like a 2019, you know, take on those old franchises is definitely interesting. But it's like if they're not willing to try anything like, you know, plot wise new, then it's like it's weird. It's just a big effects thing. That's all people want to see, I guess.
0: Yeah, because it's crazy, like, these days, like, CGI just, you know, the way they can just, like, seamlessly, like, make it, like, look so real, it's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I definitely, like, I'm, I'm like, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely a big fan of, like, what people are able to do with CGI. It's just, like, um, I don't know, using that as a, a primary um, draw to your movie is like getting old and I think people need to start doing actual well written movies instead. Like, uh, like I guess a good example of like me not really caring about, uh, like the story too much is like the last Pacific Rim movie that came out. And I was like, yo, this is literally live action, like anime, like this is like Neon Genesis kind of shit. And I was like, I kind of love this, but it's also not a good story. Like at all. And the, most of the acting is pretty bad. So like, I don't know. It's a weird, like on the fence kind of issue.
0: I've never seen that. So I, I, I've seen trailers, but I just never really knew like what it was. I just never um really watched it.
1: It's just giant robots fighting monsters that come out of the ocean. Like that's basically the the plot. Like the main draw to go see it. Okay. I don't know.
0: Well, all right. Um, you know what, what's crazy? I think this is the. The longest we've ever gone on the podcast, so I, I think this might be a good place to to end it. Um, before we go, um, is there anything you'd like to shout out or plug?
1: Um, uh, yeah, we talked about one step closer. Definitely shout them out. They're doing big things for for the you know the scene, getting us, I guess, some more attention. You know, but um, I'd love to shout them out. Love to shout out uh, Nate's band choice to make they're you know also holding it down here and uh yeah i guess shout out like my own band you know (laughs) but uh we got yeah we got a record coming out pretty soon i'm really stoked on that it's like the best stuff we've we've ever written in my in my opinion so love to shout that out um yeah shout out to a lot of our friends bands in uh in new jersey too like shackled fence cutter all those dudes i love those guys um yeah i think that's that's all i got all right.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you, Pete, for coming on. Um, shout outs to Nate Preschetti for linking us up. Um, shout out to everybody listening. Uh, thank you again. This has been awesome and really fun. And uh, we'll be back next week. So make sure to tune for that. This has been another episode of the Jamie podcast. Always on top.
1: want to see the light